Welcome back to the Shankly Sessions, the Liverpool podcast we bring you each and every week on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Head over to YouTube, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. If you'd like to contact the show, we're on Twitter at Session Shankly, or you'll get us on Facebook and Instagram, the upper tier. Joining me today, my brother Craig. How are we doing, Craig? Oh, good night. How's things? Yeah, not too bad at all. Pretty good. Um, we said we'd jump on and do a mid-term report card for Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. We dropped yep. one there today, one went down on the network today um, that I did with Mark on Manchester United. So we're going to try and at least get the top four, if not more, done during this international break because we really don't like international football. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we fill our day in a different way. Um, thoughts overall so far? Before we um, Before the last couple of weeks, I was extremely happy. Um, bar... Harvey Elliott took a bit of gloss off things because it hit us all very hard. Um, on the pitch and as in results, performances, I think it's been sound up until the Brentford game, um, which no disrespect to Brentford, we just kind of saw a side that we're not used to seeing. A bit of um, negligence, a bit of, you know, fragileness, a bit of, you know, I wouldn't say on interest, I would say a bit of, you know, composure was lost, a bit kind of like, you know, too respectful of the other side. And then we go to Anfield, which I know you and Dean have touched on this a number of times and I completely agree. The atmosphere can decide a game and it, it was like an absolute morgue. I don't understand. You welcome the bus in, you know, the usual ritual. We welcome the Man City bus in, extra welcome. And that's that's not to upset anyone or to hurt anyone or to put anyone in danger, but that's just to let them know who we are. And when we when that goes when that bus goes by, that's the beginning, and that's the setup for when we get into the stadium, and the place should be you know jammed to the rafters. It should be like a Champions League night, but it wasn't. And Saturday gone, we were blessed not to go in half time two or three down. Second half, we got an absolute rocket. I'm sure by Jurgen at half time. We, we got back into it a little bit, but I don't know. I, I don't want this to be a trend. If, if, it, if it, you know, I don't want this to kind of like carry on where we come back, we play Atletico, we're boozing the Champions League. Now, you were there recently yourself. You were obviously seeing the atmosphere firsthand. And we go back to a league game and then it's back down to square one again. You know, we don't need that. We don't want that. How do you feel so far yourself about overall? Yeah, I think... In summary, I suppose, before we get into the detail, I think at the start of the season, there was a lot of division in the fan base in terms yeah. of FSG, in terms of Jorgen Klopp, in terms of did he want signings, did FSG not back him, blah, 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 blah. And it created this kind of division in the fan base. And then a lot of the talk was when you look at the top four rivals, um, they had all purchased, they'd all bought in and strengthened. Um, albeit with City, it was only Grealish, but they have a magnificent squad anyway. But I think with us, I think the thoughts and the way the press escalated and the media, you know, we were linked with everyone from Mbappe to Basuma. Anyone yeah. who became available, we were all automatically linked with. And I think that whole media wave caused this division in the fan base in terms of we were so upbeat about new signings coming in. You know, and I think the bit of naivety that we had was that a lot of contracts had to be renewed at a cost of a huge amount of money. 
that we had bought Canada in, but it was early in the window and it was kind of nearly forgotten because it was so quick. Because the deal was done even before the window opened and he just, yeah. you know, he just strolled in two days after the window <laughs> opened or whatever, you know. So we had forgotten that we had signed him as well. Um, and then I think we had also forgotten as well that a number of players that were missing last season, um, either long-term or medium-term, were back. And the problem was, where are we going to be able to move players out? I know we moved Shakiri out. Um, and if we couldn't move players out, what were we going to do? How would new signings come in and sit on the bench? Where would they go? What would happen? You know, was it a case where Thiago was going to come in and set it alight because we hadn't really seen him until the latter ends of last season, what he could really do? Um, Harvey Elliott took us by storm. Um, could we keep Kate fit? You know what I mean? These were the questions. Could we keep Ox fit? Would these be real squad players this year? And, and what Virgil were we going to get as yeah, well? And, and Joe and, yeah. and how would Canada settle in and all that kind of stuff. And this whole sort of this all got thrown into a washing machine and tumbled right around, and everyone was all over the place. And I know Dean was very vocal about it to the point where me and him had a blazer <laughs> about it. Um but I I think overall, I mean, considering People were talking us down that we were going to be the fourth in this four-horse race for the Royal, for the league. Um, but it hasn't turned out that way. We hit the ground running, you know, and like we go through the results, I suppose, now and, and pull it apart. You know, we started off with a good win against Norwich, 3-0, and laid down a marker, 2-0 against Burnley, and we owed them one, so obviously that was going to happen. Yes. <laughs> but then we, get, then we get to the Chelsea game, and the Chelsea game, was a real weird kind of game. Um, it was not, uh, not dissimilar to City. It um, was nearly a carbon copy of that City game when you look, wasn't it? It was like, it was you definitely know... Definitely a game of two halves. The first half, they were getting in and we were like, you know, we got... We wrote our look a little bit, to be fair. Came out the second half, we got going a bit again. Atmosphere was similar for some reason. Yeah. And then the penalty incident and so on and so forth. But um, we, unfortunately, I don't think we didn't really push Chelsea to the brink of, you know, going out for the kill. They they got back into shape and sat in front. We got really frustrated, you know. Yeah, I think I think in terms of tactics and yeah. in terms of um, players and stuff like that, I think we could have went out in that second half. We could have changed it up slightly. I agree that you need that 12th man there. There's no doubt about it to, to push you on. Um, but, I mean, the team has a responsibility to give the 12th man something to cheer about as well, you know. So it's a two-way street that relationship but I, th- I think we this is where I've seen a little bit of in-game naivety coming in just a small bit where you know we could have changed it up we could have maybe brought on a Rigi we could have went something different we could have we were very predictable in that second half and and really we didn't really tra- threaten Chelsea at all who were down to 10 men and at times in that second half we could argue they had the better chances yeah. on the breakaway you know but so, we don't seem to learn, you know. Yeah. We we're, we're texting back and forth. Like you look at the clock, you have a quick look up at the clock. You're saying sixty minutes, right? I'll get Divock on. I'll get you know. And for some reason, what you just touched on there, I I completely agree with. Where is this monitoring of the in game? As in, right? This isn't working. So let's do something about it. Yeah. You know that kind of way. And it was just it was just kind of. I think that was a game that was kind of disappointing, but. The flip side of that is we were playing a title contender, there's no doubt about it, and we were playing the European champions. Yeah. So you have to accept that as well, you know. 
So then we move on into September. September, a good 3-0 win against Leeds at Ellen Road. This was one that myself and Dean had identified that could be a potential bit of banana, a potential banana skin. Yes, 100%. Going to Ellen Road with the Leeds crowd back in there and all that kind of stuff. But they seem to fall flat on their face in this game. And, you know, 3-0 didn't really tell the scoreline. The scoreline could have been 5-6, could have been... Anything, like, really. To do that to Leeds at Ellen Road with a packed Ellen Road is saying a lot about you, a lot about your credentials as well. You know yeah. what I mean? That was the game where I thought we really laid down a marker to say, you know, and I know Leeds were going through that they were going through a tough spell at that stage as well. They hadn't really done much in the league and they were, you know, they were getting hit a couple of times. Then we move on to the midweek game. It was AC Milan and we beat them. You can talk to us about two. this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I was in Anfield for this one. And if anyone wants to talk to me about my knowledge of the crowd and whether they're in a game or not. I, I faced or I um I WhatsApp Dean, I video called Dean and all from the stadium. The stadium was rocking, the stands were rocking, everyone was rocking, the crowd were pumped up for it, the players were pumped up for it. You know, and as you said, how come we can't deliver that in these big, decisive potential six point rival contender title matches, if you like, you know? And it was an unbelievable game. And at 2-1, even at, like we created a bundle of chances in that first half. And at 2-1 a half time, I wasn't concerned at all. Yeah. And, and I think they did a great job. It was one of those games where, again, a little bit of naivety to give the two goals away. Um, but, I mean, it is AC Milan. And, and you know, everyone was saying, oh, but it's not the same AC Milan. And they're very, very, a very new Milan. You know, they're very young Milan. And they're finding their feet again. And it's, you're starting to see that coming into Europe now as well. How does it feel in the atmosphere when they were coming back into it and when they were kind of getting back, you know, pulling goals back? Did, it, did the atmosphere change at all? Or was no, it like, not at all. I think, oh. people, I think people stayed behind the team. Yeah. This, this is an AC Milan team as well that was banging form I think their previous game was against Lazio where they beat them they smashed them and um, so they were in good form coming into this I think they'd start the season three wins on the bounce as well so they were in form um, but uh, the atmosphere didn't change people were stood behind the team we knew we had to rally them on and we knew there was history in this game and all week the game had been built up about the two finals and all this kind of thing and the you'd previous players and all I know Crespo came out and he was saying oh we owe them one and all this. <laughs> I was thinking well, not really, it's one all, you know, so we don't know, no one really owes anyone anything really, you know, but it was, a, it was an interesting dynamic that got us fired up for it anyway, and we came out 3-2 winners, then we moved on to Palace and we beat Palace 3-0, yeah. again, it was a game where they had a couple of chances, but nothing yeah. major, and again, the 3-0 kind of flattered them more than it flattered us, we were still a little bit wasteful um, with chances. Um, then we moved on to Norwich in the Carabao Cup and we, we threw out the young lads, absolutely brilliant, the boy Gordon. Coidy Gordon, yeah. Yeah, they all they all played great. They did brilliant for us um, and we ran out 3-0 winners, um, which means we continue in the Carabao Cup, which is so important for our fringe players and also for our youth and yeah. also for the likes of Kimi and Callagher and players like that. And they came out and they said so, which was good to see. So then we move on to Brentford and we're, we're, we're kind of buoyant, but we were nervous because we know going to Brentford, they play really good football under Thomas Frank. Fantastic yeah. new stadium they have. Great fan base. You know, absolutely flying in the Premier League. Um, and we took the lead twice and we yeah. surrendered the lead twice. And in fairness, they shocked us first. But, they... we, but we knew what the boy Tony and all was about. And we knew Thomas Frank was going to play football and match us man for man. But, what but um, 
what I failed to see when in hindsight when I look back on it now is game management and the leader of like a like a Henderson and a Virgil to calm it down for a minute. You know, don't keep playing the same way when you don't have to play the same way. As you rightly said there, took the lead twice. Where's the kind of right lads? Let's take a minute. Let's chill out. Let's manage the game a bit, frustrate them a bit, keep possession. You know, they'll come back out then to try and reclaim possession. And then we can hit them. There's no need to go gun how again, as in we're two one down or it's two two. Because it felt like that, even though the scoreline at the time didn't say it was. Yeah. It felt we were playing that way. And I, I just think, you know, we're missing, we were missing, especially in that game. Because Thomas Frank, as you rightfully said, is quality. And they they weren't going to give up. They would have happily lost 5-2 to just keep going. You know what I mean? But I just think we lacked a bit of like, you know, in-game management and a bit of, you know, captain kind of leadership to kind of take us down a bit and take us down a bit of a notch and just say, right, we're on a key possession. We have the lead. We'll, we'll, we'll frustrate them a bit, get them to come out to us. And then we have the players to rip anybody apart in the league on the break. Anybody. But for some reason, our back line was absolutely horrendous. You know, we were walked through, we were strolled through. The ball that came across the box that, um, what's his name, scored? Perkins, was it? Is that his name? Brentford? Uh, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, you're just, you're that. looking at that and you're just like, you know what I mean? That's yeah. not us. Like, we only had conceded a goal or two going into them. You know, we were solid. Like. Yeah. So I think that was the kind of where, we, and we had chances. We had a lot of chances. You know, Dean and yourself rightfully said a lot of the times we are going to be caught very soon if we don't, you know, put people away. Mm. This was the kind of opening of that can. I, I, you know, Brentford was going to be a tough game, but we did think we were going to get the job done. If you want to go for the title, no disrespect to Brentford, you have to be winning them games, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, and I think, no disrespect to Brentford as well, but I think other teams will go there and they will drop points with the way that Thomas Frank plays. Yeah, they're very good. They're absolutely knocking it out of the park at the moment in the Premier League and fair play. And I think they're seventh at the moment, or amazing. Like that, which is amazing. Um, but they do have a sprinkling of quality there. And they have a real good football ethic there in terms of, you know, his way he wants people to play. Very similar to Graham Potter at Brighton. Yeah. Um, they're, they're two fantastic managers and two that I hold right up there. Dean know? Smith as well. You could throw probably in there as well. Yeah, well, Dean Smith still has a little bit of work to do with Aston yeah. Villa and figure out what he wants to do. But yeah, absolutely still in the same bracket. But definitely Brentford and Brighton, Brighton you know yeah. I mean? the brand of football as well yeah absolutely um, so then we move on from that and we go to Porto um, and yeah. we absolutely <laughs> smash these and this is one we did a review on and we were a little bit nervous but yeah. it's fair to say with that Porto team I mean they lost their central defence Pepe went out last minute from a fitness test or something like that or in a yeah, he, and yeah. they had lost their other central defender as well so that's you know that has to be taken into account. And then, of course, they lost Octavio fairly yeah, young. Yeah, very good player. As well. He was a very good player and a playmaker mm-hmm. there for them. So we have to take that into account as well, that they were missing players and they did lose players as well. But we were absolutely levels above them, weren't we, in terms of our play? I mean, it was one of those we were, where everyone just clicked. We were strolling. No disrespect to Porto. Before that game, going to the Drago, for any team in Europe is a tough place to go. Very Like a cauldron in itself. Like on the Turkey, kind of that kind of atmosphere where you're kind of like, you know, you're on edge and you feel a bit kind of like underwhelmed. But um, what I noticed in that game is we conserved ourselves very well. You know, we we looked good. We were playing the ball around. We weren't breaking our, 
breaking our neck really to kind of force ourselves onto Porto. We kept the levels good, the fitness was good, you know, we controlled the game very well. As you said, they lost a couple of players, but that doesn't mean, you know, we still have to go out and do the job. Without them losing players or not, you know, we have to do our own job first. Yeah. And we did. It was great to get the three points in Porto and puts us in good stead you now, six points against two very difficult sides. We've Atletico next, and let's hope we can take something from that as well. But um, I, I, I said it on the, the match reaction as well, that the Porto game was the perfect game to lead into the City game. It was. In terms of bringing that confidence back and all that kind of thing. And their result and as well. played well that night. You know? and, and their result as well, yeah, absolutely. So then we move on to the City game. And the oh. City game was, for me, a very, very strange game where I don't think in a player ratings show that I've done, Mm-hmm. I've never given out so many five and sixes to a Liverpool side. Um, yeah, I'd agree. And I just think when you looked at the first half, we were absolutely anonymous. Every single position was absolutely anonymous. Uh, we had no leaders on the pitch. We couldn't hang on to the ball. And we were absolutely blessed to yeah. win nil-nil. It could have been, we could have been two-nil down, and we should have been two-nil down. Yeah. Um, and then we come out the second half. And obviously, as you said, Klopp had put a fire under the boys going, we need to get into this. We upped our tempo. We were moving the ball around a lot better through those lines and stuff like that. Opening mm-hmm. the city up a little bit, creating chances. You know, and then we score. And, and what a goal. I mean, what an absolute goal. I mean, everyone talks about the Salah goal that we'll get into. But the Mane goal was phenomenal. The, the well. build-up to that goal from the start, from Alisson, is just incredible mm. and you know we could, um, finally I think we can put this conversation to bed about Mane Salah get on Salah fed him that ball for the team not because he had to but because Mane was true and that's all that was about it wasn't about will I give me will I not give me he made the run and Salah picked him out and he scored for the for the team you and, know? If, and in fairness this season he's been putting Mane in on a regular it'd be very, it's nice and it's about the team you know it's not about individuals it's not about this person or that person it's about Salah's vision Mane's made the run there you go fair play go I mean when you look when you look at how many times he's played uh, Mane in this season Mane would be sick not to have at least another three or four goals at this stage yeah he's been uh, you know He's been sharp, but yet wasteful, isn't it? He's, he's had a bit of sharpness back, but he's also missed some chances as well. He certainly looked in the it's, last... It's like looking the, better, you know. The, the goal against City, mm. and I think the goal he scored against, was it Palace? Palace, yeah. Like, he looked really sharp where he didn't think about it, just turned bang. It looked like the original Mane, it didn't like it, you know? the Mane that we're used to, you know? Yeah. Um, so certainly that whole thing about whether these guys get on or where they talk, they celebrate together, they love each other. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with healthy competition between the two. I think that's a good thing in the team. That's what a good we thing. want to see. Um, but then that, that second half, I mean, City then came back into it with that goal, the, the Phil Foden one. Yeah. Um, which I thought was <sighs> the most simplistic goal you'll ever see. Basics. In terms of, I mean... Milner obviously couldn't. He got caught a few times on that side and he couldn't get back in time to block. And then you see Allison getting beaten near post but going to the far post. Um, so you'd normally expect him to do a little bit better as well. Um, but Foden couldn't hit it any better. And Foden's an outstanding player. We it's, know yeah, he's an Incredible. Player. Incredible. Um, I mean, if you're keeping Raheem Sterling out of the team, you're a decent player. Let's be honest there. Yeah. Know? Even on a Liverpool podcast. Let's get that out there. Um, 
So I think up to this point, because we were sort of tagged as being fourth in, in the four horse race, yeah. I'm happy enough to be just a point behind Chelsea, but we've played Chelsea and we've played Man City and the likes of United still haven't played any of the kind of top four. They haven't really played the bigger teams, if you like. I know they played Everton and they played Villa yeah. and West Ham. They got a good result against West Ham, albeit they were very lucky in the end, um, but they got beaten by Villa. And they drew with everything. Yep. So it's an interesting conundrum that top four is still trying to figure it out. Um, but let's look in then our next 10 games. Um, and I, I did with Mark on the United report card. Their next eight. To they have a games. horrible lineup, don't they? I, I've seen it. It's absolutely, you know, barbaric. You I'd know. say they must have looked at their fixtures. My God. And said in the first seven games, we need to be four to five points ahead of everyone. To get to make sure if we have a safety net for these games coming, for these games. but they haven't got themselves in that position, really. And again, we know when Solskjaer is in trouble and he's at the edge, he'll, he'll the find a way out. He'll <laughs> find a way, he'll figure out a way of beating Chelsea and beating City like he normally does. He'll just figure it out. But that may or may not happen again because that can't happen every single time, yeah. And um, but if you look, getting back to our next 10 games, so we've got Wofford away, um, Ranieri coming in, yeah. Ranieri coming in, so you'd expect to get a bit of a bump there. Sarah's banging form. I know Very they had good. a bad result before the break. Um, they were disappointing. Um, I think it was against Leeds, wasn't it? Yeah, Leeds better than that. And Leeds yeah. beat them 1-0. Um, but they had, up till that point, they were showing a little bit of form. Sarah was playing really well and scoring goals. So, so they'll be dangerous opposition, especially with the bump of Ranieri and him having two weeks to work with them before the game to prepare will be interesting. Then we have Atletico away. Which very is tough, very tough game. A tough game. Yeah, and then we have United at Old Trafford, so we're on our travels here. Yeah, all the way till the last day of October, um, or the the last match in October, which is Brighton at home, which is a game I'm heading over to with the lads. So I don't think that that is a bad thing because will this give us time being away from Anfield for everyone to have a look at themselves and dust themselves down and say. Right, the lads have been away from Anfield for a few weeks. Let's get the home crowd back for them when they come back yeah. after the away games and let's show them that, you know, we're here and we're there together. Um, can I just touch on something really quick about the City game before we wrap it up? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think it was a bit strange how we were so conserved in our energy and our levels against Porto and then we kind of showed up like that against City? As in, we, we looked a bit kind of mystified. We looked a bit shell-shocked. We, we looked a bit kind of like, you know, on edge. We looked a bit standoffish. You know, we're, we were going in with an unbelievable 5-1 result and they had come out of a 2-0. I know Europe doesn't matter going into the Premier League, but and we, I thought we went in the best possible way. And still, you know, we just looked a bit kind of like we had just gotten, you know, like a smack of bam. <laughs> you're healthy, like. mm. Yeah, I, th- I think we started out, we started out nervous. Yeah, and that nervous when Dan talks about the crowd, I think that nervous energy spread to the crowd, and the crowd got nervous and quiet as well. Yeah, and and city city just took advantage of that in terms of they played around us, they played through us, they made us look ordinary. Yeah, and we just for some reason or another we just couldn't get hold of the ball, and when we did, our passing was poor, our link up play was poor. You know, we couldn't string three four passes together, which is so not us. But that's a game where again do we talk about in-game management? Could Nabi came on into the midfield and maybe try and get the dribbles going, get the link up going, the movement and the well, play. Well, I suppose you'd be hesitant to make a change that early, wouldn't you? Yeah. You the know, second half we, second we were half gonna come out. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
But I think in the second half, as you said, he got them in there. It's <laughs> kind of like, okay, lads, we've gotten away with that first half. It's nil-nil. We should be 2 nil down. He would recognise that as well. And he's gone in there and he says, you need to get hold of the ball, lads. You're not going to be doing anything. And really and, quickly, um, sorry, no, really yeah, no, quickly, what you said about United's results against not really considered the top four teams. I think the top four results against each other are going to make or break who's champion, in my opinion. I think it's going to go, it's going to be the decider what you get out of them games. It's going to show where you are. Not disrespect to the likes of Villa or anything like that, but I mean, yeah. the, you know, when you're playing, we played Chelsea, we played City. They're the games where you're going to look back and say, well, what did I get out of that? Right. Mm. You know, that kind of, that's how I, I think anyway. Yeah, I, I think if we if we believe it's going to be a tight league between the four, say, for yeah. the moment, those tight leagues tend to hinge on the results against each other. Mm. And that's where, that that tends to be the difference, you know what I mean? Um, because I, I know United have been a little bit haphazard and City, you know, had their own issues with the Spurs, I think, in Southampton game. And, but, but I think, by and large, the four teams that we're talking about in the title race they're head and shoulders above everyone else yeah. in reality. On their day, if those four teams play to their strengths on their day and show up, you know, the other the other 16 teams, it doesn't matter. They'll just, mm. you know what I mean? So that's why I think with a tight league, it's between, it's the results between the four is how it's going to go, you know? And the fact that United haven't played anyone yet mm. puts them at a disadvantage. And the fact that those games, those next eight games are going to come absolutely thick and fast. Um, so then, I mean, obviously we, we've the, the away trip to Preston and the Carabao Cup, but that would be a change side, obviously. I, I presume yeah. it's going to go with the youth again and stuff like that. Then we bounce into November and we're at home to Atletico. Um, again, which will be a decisive game because that could be the game where if we get three points at home at Anfield, that puts us in a driving position in the group where yeah. we might be able to rest players or do something. Pending we might be system. able to rotate, go to the San Siro, take a draw or, you know, get some other players' minutes under the belt, which would be great. Yeah. It would be amazing. Maybe you know, not be... necessarily get a draw, but maybe throw a Rigi in, you know what I mean? Minamino, you know, a Rigi. Throw Minamino you know, in yeah. and stuff like that, you know. Um, then we're away to West Ham, which we know is going to be a tough very game. tough game. Very Always tough. Always tough going to West Ham. Moyes doing an absolute stellar job there at West Ham at the moment. Kel Antonio so dangerous. There's another game that you're going to have to go and earn the right to play and get earn the three points mm. from David Moyes' team, like you know. Yeah. So then we then we move on from that. Then we've got three home games basically. So we're at home to Arsenal, which will be a decent game. Um. They're still struggling, you know. They had a good result yeah. in the North London Derby and two good 1-0 results. But I still see the struggles there. When you see the game against Brighton, and no disrespect to Brighton, who are a super team, yeah. well well drilled by Potter and all. But it was a horrible evening as well for football. Torrential rain and stuff like that. The conditions were terrible. But I, I think we'll do okay. I think we'll have too much for Arsenal at Anfield. Yeah. Then we have Porto at Anfield. Um, which would should I would think would be rounding out the group at that stage. I think we should be topping the group with that result. Yeah. Um, but safe to say, Porto will have their players back, so they'll have their two central defenders will be back, Pepe and the other lads. So they'll be in there again. So they will be still a difficult prospect. They'll definitely way, want to reply from what happened. And way more difficult than when we were out there, I would imagine. Yeah. Because um, Porto could still be in the shake up at that stage as well, remember, you know. Um, then we're at home to Southampton again, which will be a tough game. Um, yeah, though Hasselhoodle has them well drilled down there. Uh, War Prowse always very dangerous and stuff like that. We've seen them against Chelsea just gone, 
where it was one all until Prowse got sent off and Southampton were in the game. Yeah, um, got a draw that, at the Etihad as well, you know. Yeah, and and it was it was that sending off which was decisive. Then Chelsea took hold of the game and basically did their thing and ran out. I think three one winners. Three one. Yeah. yeah. And then we have the Merseyside Derby then away to Everton, and that oh, out in November. We owe yeah. we owe them one there. There's a few players I'm sure who you know want that victory more than others. You know, yeah, that's that a game. You know, that that's a game for Virgil Van Dijk, yeah. isn't it? The score. A game for Van Dijk and Thiago. The score. And Thiago in that game. And there will be a big build-up to that game as well because Rafa. you'll hear the whole stuff with Pickford and Virgil, the Richarlison and Thiago, and then you have Benitez versus Klopp. So this, this will be another massive build-up, not dissimilar to the City game in terms of, and not dissimilar to the AC Milan game in terms of history and all that stuff. And all, you know. I know we outborn the one, but this is... This you could say destroyed our season, as in this is where our season started to really take a kind unraveled. of hit. Yeah, That's and unraveled. we owe these, uh, we owe these an absolute hiding for many reasons, and I hope they get it. Absolutely, and and I think the boys will be up for it. But again, Benitez, you know, Demary Gray in there, what a signing! He's what a signing! Two million, what a signing! Player. Yeah, absolutely strung United there the other day for that goal for Townsend. Do you know what I noticed as well? What Rafa has done. I'm a big fan, and I think Ducore is a very decent player. But Rafa's given them a license to go f- more forward now, and it's you know Ducore can pop up with a goal, and he comes in, he comes in late, and very very good management from Rafa. A very good decision to push him on. Very and, good. And we're talking about an Everton side that should have beaten United in the end. They were very unlucky with Tom Davis should have buried that he shouldn't have squared it to Mina, Mina who was offside. But I also think as well if you look at that Everton result against United as well. No Richarlison, no Calvert-Lewin. So it's mm. massive. And massive. they still they still probably should have won the game. <laughs> what does that say? You know? Very, very organised. And even when I spoke to Mark, when we spoke about the Everton game in the report card, he was saying Benitez was down on the sideline. He was talking to his men. He was structuring all. And Ollie was sitting in the chair in the stand. Looking Whispering at the carriage. Looking at <laughs> on a tablet or something like that. You know, and he, he was there. That's the difference. That's what we want to see. Which, is, which was a very good point, you know. Really good for... Um, for Everton as well is because when Rafa came in, you know, he brought Rondon in who he who he knew he had had before. But the likes of a Demary Gray, it's a risk free because of the amount he paid, but he's like a sponge at that age. He'll absorb everything that Rafa's mm-hmm. given him, instruction, tactics, yeah. you know, and he'll thrive on it. He's had to give him and the new lease of life as well. Yeah. You know, he deserves massive credit, but Unfortunately, Rafa is on the blue side this time, and we, you know, we only want the red side to come out of this. <laughs> and in fairness, I think the blue brigade. I think, I think they're warming to him. They will, yeah, yeah. He's, he's doing a good on his job. You know, they're bang up there in contention. You know what I mean? So, um, along with Brighton, you know. So when when you look when you look at the top four, I mean, there's or top six, you could say there's two points separating the top six. So I think Brighton are on fourteen as well, and Everton aren't they? As far as yeah, I mean. Brighton could have went top yeah. that time Absolutely, against yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's still very very tight, mm-hmm. um, but coming into this period now, the October and November period, I think is where we will start to see a little bit of separation. I agree, um, and we we'll see how that goes in terms of main concerns going forward. Yeah, um, I have I do have main concerns um, within the club and outside of the club. Um, one one positive really quickly is that they understand, and they they've yeah. begun the development, which Start is another great right positive. Right which costs us money as well from the owners. Let's just get that out there. It is a good thing, and they have approved and paid for it, so mm-hmm. very good, really quickly. Um, 
I want to see leadership on the pitch in every situation, good or bad. Mm. I want to see someone grab the game by the scruff. If we're winning, if we're, we're trying to hang on, if we're dominating, I want someone to take control visibly and verbally on the pitch and, you know, let's, you know, control the game, manage the game. Another concern I would have, I would like Divock, I would like Minamino, not only to get minutes for the sake of minutes, but I would like them to be involved, that when we do need them, if the AFCON thing or whatever, that they are ready and they're not going to be thrown in because they have to be. I'll hold my hand up first and foremost, especially on this podcast to say, I didn't. I wasn't really happy when they were both kept. I will support them. They play for Liverpool, so I'll get behind them. That's just my opinion on the two of them. I didn't think they were the, the level for their club. They're here. They play for Liverpool, so I'll support them like I support everyone else at the club. Yeah. I would like to see in-game management more from Klopp. You know, if things aren't going well, let's get, get, get done early. Let's see what we can change. There's no harm in changing. If we, this doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. At least you tried. At least you didn't just stick to our whole 4 3 3 and they have two back lines of four and we can't break through. I don't mind if we change and it doesn't work out. I'd appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other concern and my last concern would be I just really hope we get the fans back on side at Anfield, no matter the game, no matter if it's the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, the league. It doesn't matter. It's, it's Anfield, it's our home, it's our church. You know what I mean? As far as concerns go, Outside of that, the AFCON will take Mo and Mane for a couple of games. But if we manage the team well and Taka and Narigi are feeling like part of the team and brought in and part of the club, they'd be more than happy to play for us and they'd be ready to start instead of just thrown on for so long or so long, you know what I mean? Mm. Instead of a Carabao Cup and then the next Carabao Cup. Um, one last concern not really a concern of now, but it's more for the future. I really hope and wish Harvey Elliott the best. He's a young kid and I'm sure he'll get the attention and looked after that he deserves. He has good lads around him in there like Milner, like Virgil, like Henderson. So all the best to him and I can't wait to see him back in the shirt, which he rightfully earned and started on that club, you know. Yeah, the pictures, the pictures he posted yesterday were brilliant. It's great. The he's like one of us. It's like one of us. Like, you know, he's watching on the telly. Back on the bike again and all, you know, so the progress is good, you know. What's your concerns, if any, going forward? I, I think my biggest concern at the moment that I think if it keeps on dragging on and on and on could potentially have an effect. Salah's contract. That's something I actually... <laughs> you know, yeah, I, 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 I think it. that's massive. I think yeah. if they could nail that contract down and announce it, mm. would would give the club a huge lift. Would would bring Salah up. I know he's outstanding at the moment. The goal against City, the best player in the, the world at the moment. I think without a doubt, the best player in the world at the moment. And the stats back it up. And people can argue till they're blue in the face, but it doesn't matter. The stats are there. It's there for everyone to see. You know that was an absolute world class goal and assist the other day against and against a fantastic City side. Not against. We weren't going in there against like. Bournemouth or something like that. This was Man City we scored these guys. Against arguably the best pair in, in world football, not the league, Diaz, Laporte. You're doing something to get by them, but in the manner that he did, are you worried about their structure? That even though he is the best player and we, we accept that we should give him whatever it takes, are you concerned that they won't budge on that? That they have put the nail in the coffin and said, this is their structure, we're going we're gonna to stand by it? Or do you think that this will say... 
right for this occasion it's a different story Mo is integral to the club to the culture to the way we play and we can't let the best player in the world go because I think you said to me yesterday and you're spot on if, if it happened you're looking at another 150 upwards to replace him yeah I mean that's 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 the concern is there a naivety there at a board level mm. the impact that this man is having I mean you know you could talk about it even from the support we get from his religion He's just an all-around amazing human being. The charity work he does, the money he sends back home, the development in his own country. This guy is a living god at the moment. Um, and Mane is not dissimilar either in terms of... Yeah, he's doing a hospital and, in Senegal and everything. Like and I just, I just think it would be a really bad situation for FSG. I think FSG, some of the stuff they did so far, I mean, the ticket stuff, the, the you know, the stuff with the banners on the cop with the, the spine and the... You know, the spirit of Shankly and all this kind of stuff and even the European Super League and stuff like that. That kind of stuff we can move on and we can forgive them, even if we don't believe that they're sincere in their apologies and stuff like that. Yeah. But if they were to let Mo Salah go, I think it'd be very difficult for them to recover from that. Yeah. Now, having said that, if they were to let Mo Salah go, and they brought in Kylian Mbappe or Chiesa or something like that, then it's a different situation. Yeah. But, I do, but I do think he is the, the he's the best player in the world at the moment, without a shadow of doubt. He's playing in the toughest league in the world. Let's not let's not dress that up any other way. His stats this season are absolutely outstanding. And what I said to Dean the other night, we were talking about on the Shanky sessions, he has at least two more levels to go up. And I think he will shoot up through those levels if that contract is sorted and you will see Mo Salah banging in goals and assists week after week after week, assuming he doesn't get injured or something like that. I really like his interview post-match. He says, we're, we're there, we're going for the title. And yeah. it's so nice and heartwarming to hear that, you know, he says it, no problem is in, that's what he believes in and that's what he wants. Yeah. He wants to be with us and win and, it, you know. And you know what I was encouraged with as well, when he was asked the whole idea about whether a draw was a fair result, he turned around, he says, well, I'd like to say no, but mm. absolutely, it was a fair result. So he's he's straight up. There's no messing about with him. He's a brilliant footballer, the best in the world at the moment. He's a terrific human being. He's an amazing ambassador at all levels for the club. And I think the contract will be sorted out. I think it just needs to be sorted out. But when that contract is signed and sorted out, the lift the club will get mm. and the bounce the club will get off that. It's no different than if a new manager came in and the, the bounce that club's get from that. It will be absolutely massive. And wouldn't it be brilliant? And I'm going to put this out here now. Wouldn't it be brilliant if it was announced during the international break and we yeah. got that bounce against Watford, Atletico and Man United? That's where we want that bounce, isn't it? It's kind of like out yeah, of the blue kind of thing, you know, yeah. wrapped up. And then imagine the lift, as you rightfully said there, coming back. And then all the opposition will be like, you know, oh, holy God, he's... Yeah. You know what I mean? He's and, he's there, like you know. And you hear about the talk we've had since August and through the transfer window. Oh, we signed no one, FSG out and all this kind mm. of thing. We've re-signed Virgil. We've re-signed Fabinho. We've re-signed Trent. Allison. We've, we've re-signed Allison. We've re-signed. We'd hopefully re-signed Mo. We've re-signed Hendo. You know the work that they've done at that board level has been incredible in terms of re-signing these guys. And I don't think Mo is looking. A lot of a lot of people out in the media and the press would like to say. Oh yeah, his head's getting torn a bit. He's looking away. He's no, he's not no. happy. This kind of thing. 
he's never looked as happy in his life in terms of how he's playing. I've never seen his fitness and his strength being where it is. He's absolutely at the peak of his powers at the moment. And the scary thing for the rest of the Premier League is if we do nail that contract down and he jumps another level of t- or two, oh my God, what kind of a player have we got there then? He's turning into when you know a world-class player is like, you know, we don't see Ronaldo for 80 minutes or so and he just yeah. pops up with it. That's what Mo is becoming. Yeah. You know, the other day against City, wasn't really in the game and then all of a sudden, the, like he had the ball with his back to the back four of City, the back line. And to do Diaz and Laporte, especially Laporte, he sent Laporte flying. That, that's not human. It's it's incredible. You know, it's lost for words. Yeah. And I just think that the flip side of that is if, if that keeps on dragging on yeah, and it gets to a stage where we think he's going to go talking to other clubs. Yeah, but, we're in trouble. You know, and we're in trouble and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Our biggest thing this year is, as you said, we need to get that 12th man in, in Anfield again. Back absolutely rocking game after game after game. It doesn't matter what game it is. And that contract signing is so pivotal because if we think that's not going to happen or that's what comes in. It's kind of trickle, isn't it? Into The yeah. the crowd is going to become toxic. You know what I mean? It's just going to be, well, here we go again. We give them another chance. They've, they've done us so many times at this stage. You know, maybe not to the, the, the level of other clubs where they haven't been taking dividends out, but their dividends have been growing all the time. The club is valued at mega money now compared to what they bought it for. And I just think it's his signing of his contract is pivotal to Liverpool for the next five years. We this can either go one way or another way in terms of that contract. Yeah. And I, I think even for the other players that are there, the players, I know they're all professionals, but those players and that squad would be so disappointed as well if they to lose Mo Salah. There's no doubt about it. He's enshrined in the in the club in the culture of the city, in his own culture. He's a global icon at this stage. And I just think we do have to make allowances when we're talking about a player like this. And yeah. let's be honest here. All these guys who have signed new contracts have all got great deals. Virgil, so, uh, Virgil's got an amazing yeah. deal. And, you so, know. and Allison, they've Allison's all got, got great yeah. deals. So it's not like they're on buttons or anything like that. You no. know what I mean? But, uh, but I think when you look at Mo Salah, you have to treat him like a special case and you have to say for everything that he brings, the whole package and the whole image that he brings to the club. And there's no one that dislikes him. Every single football fan in the world loves Mo Salah. He's, lo- he's lovable. You, know, you, you can't know? <laughs> not like him when you see him and, and the smiling and the hair and what he does on the pitch and stuff like that. You don't have to be a Liverpool fan to like Mo Salah. Mo Salah is an amazing player, an amazing human being. And I just think they need to get it wrapped up. And I'd love to see it announced during the international break to give us that lift to him to jump another couple of levels and absolutely tear that Premier League by storm. It'd be nice if we could kind of just have, you know, that out-of-the-moment out interview with him on LFC TV or something that it's done and he has an interview talking about it. Because, yeah. you know, his family are happy in Liverpool. He's settled, you know. And the other lads, you know, Alison Virgil and... Trent and all that's their spine getting tied down. It's not like you know, here's new contracts, we're not signing anyone. We're tying down our spine, we're tying down our backbone, we're tying down our you know, we're solidifying our positions that we want to keep long term. And I hope Mo looks at Allison's there, Virgil, Trent, the lads are signing on. I want to be part of that. You know, I'm sure he does. 
he deserves whatever contract he's looking for. He's not trying to milk the club. He's not that kind of person. But at the same time, he's you know he's the best of the best at the moment. Give him what he what he wants. You know, or, or, give, or give him what the market give him what the market yeah exactly that's what the market's dictating that's what his value is if that's the value he can get if he went out into the open market then that's what we have to value him at and that's simply it but I think as you said if he signs you know that parade we didn't have when we won the league <laughs> let's have a parade about the signings because that would be absolutely mega you know what I mean in terms of getting him over, over the line in terms of a new contract and to have that amount of players tied down and then once they're all tied down, then we can push through this season the way we need to, hopefully deliver silverware and be lucky with injuries and various things like that and stuff goes our way. And then next summer, let's see what we want to do then because we won't be tied down be, contracts. We could be in the driving seat next summer because if this Mo deal gets over the line and you're at another club looking at a move and you see Mo's staying, Virgil is staying there, Alison is staying there, yes, I want to be part of that. Managed by Klopp, the lads are saying, you know, they're playing great football. They're going for silverware. What more do you want? Yeah, try, you know try I mean? to find me a player on the planet at the moment who doesn't want to play in a pitch with Mo Salah. And there is a player who <laughs> I would really love. I'm not trying to say get Mane or or Firmino or Jota, but I really, really, really like Federico Chiesa, as in the way we play and the brand that we play. I just think he would adapt to it so well, and he's so dangerous. He's so good. Mm. But if Mo if we get that over the line, people are going to be like, well, these lads are serious here. Like, these lads are, you know. Well, we have the other factor in it now where we talk about the top four and stuff like that. And we know that's kind of like with Arsenal at the moment, they are, they're at odds with Cronky and stuff like that. Yeah. We know with Spurs, that kind of, they have their own problems and stuff like that. But now Newcastle comes into the equation. With the yes. Yeah. And, and the question is, if they're going to launch all this money of investment in between players, manager, structure, whatever it is, local area, all that kind of thing, they're going to be pushing towards the top four. That's what they're going to look and be. Because I know all those different Saudi families and stuff like that, and you know all the different families in that region, they're yeah. all very competitive with each other as well. Make no oh, mistake about like it. They, they take that like, you know, as in, I want to be better than you, and I, I'm going to be, you know, the, the known person. Do you know what this could be really bad for? Like Arsenal and Tottenham better be very careful because for if it keeps going the way things are going, we might be talking about them as the top four. You know what I mean? He's not going to stand around and invest for the sake of it and not put that in. And, and the, the simple the simple message being sent on this is five doesn't go into four. No. So we better figure out, you know, where we sit in this whole conundrum. We're yeah, you need to, to you need to keep you need to keep running. You need to keep running with the rest of the pack. That's the way it is. If you stand still, you are in big trouble. It's like it's like a relay race. You yeah. need to have someone new to hand the baton off to sometimes, you know what I mean? And that's the way I look at it. You always have to keep them developing all the time. And we've got a great sprinkling of youth in there. And in certain positions we maybe need to look at putting in just a bit more quality and stuff like that. Yeah. Um but listen Absolute pleasure doing this report card. It is our own team, so it's always nicer when we're talking about our own team. Um, as always, this has been your Shankly Sessions midterm report card on Liverpool. If you want to drop your comments into the episode down there in YouTube, let us know what you think. Always on the Dynamo Podcast Network. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, at Session Shankly, or you can hit us up Facebook and Instagram, the upper tier. Craig, absolute pleasure, my man. Cheers, mate. See you after the international break. <laughs>